Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and I'm glad that you're with us for Season 3, Episode 4. We want to plug the network information just a little bit and then introduce our guest. Uh, We do have a great guest for the next three weeks, and I know you're going to be excited to hear from him. But as always, you can check out our show notes and find all of our social media links, our email address, thescatterthebroadnetwork at gmail.org, gmail.com, and also you can go to our website, which is scatterthebroad.org. Now, today, we have Brother Aaron Gallagher, and I'm going to introduce Aaron just briefly and then let him tell you about himself, but Aaron works for the Gospel Broadcasting Network and he has been there for about three years. Yeah, three years. And so he's been doing an excellent job over there. And so, Aaron, why don't you kind of tell people about what you do and, you know, what it is that you're doing at the network? Sure. So uh, in July of, I guess, 2018, so yeah, about yeah. three years, um, uh, Don hired me to come over and work at GBN. And uh, at that time, I was one of the things GBN was trying to do more of is go out and give reports of the work being done to yeah. different congregations. And so they had me doing that, but then also... I started um, trying to build our social media, and uh, so GBN over the last three years, we've really seen, like most people have, how much uh, has moved towards social media, right? How how you can reach people so well on you know Facebook, Instagram, and and other avenues like that, YouTube. So I've kind of been, I could say, heading heading that up. You know, we've got a really good team of guys over there um, that all really you know contribute. So we really work you know w- work well as a big team and. So that's what I'm doing mainly now. I mean, I'm doing lots of different things, you know, looking over the production of new programs and stuff, but mainly trying to focus on evangelism and, and social media and just trying to get the gospel to people out there that need it. Yeah, and I know, uh, you know, since you didn't mention it, I'll go ahead and mention it. I know that for a time when Don was in the area, y'all did Answering the Error. Are y'all still able to record that? Yeah, we are. Um, we're actually, Don's coming uh, in Maybe not. Maybe next week. Okay. We're filming. We have three days in the studio. We're going to film some more episodes of the program. And I know you do the Authentic Christian yeah. podcast, and that's been that's been going very well, hasn't it? Yeah, we're um I think season two, maybe sixteen episodes in. We did twenty seven, maybe season one episodes, yeah. and we we really the whole purpose of that was that's actually the name of our Instagram, the Authentic Christian, and so we wanted to build something where. We wanted to take people who, a majority of the people that follow us on social media are not members of the church. Right. So the goal was, what can we do to pull them off of Instagram and yeah. and, and take it from just them seeing one post to building a bigger relationship? You yeah. Know? So we said, well, let's do a podcast. And um, so we started like the first nine episodes went from, is there a God, you know, different topics like, you know, why Christianity? Why not, you know, Islam or, you know, uh, Buddhism? and Taoism, all these. And then we'd lead up to what, what about the Bible? How can you tell it's inspired? Leading all the way up to episode eight, which is how to become a Christian, episode nine of season one, which yeah. was objections to baptism. So yeah, yeah those are that's, other things we do. That's the thing. You you know, we're on a podcast today. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, uh, podcasting, I, I tell people when I go out and give a report on the school, think of it like radio. Yeah. It, it, we just call it podcasting. Yeah. It's really a radio program without the radio station. Yeah. And so what a blessing it is for these mediums to still exist and be around to where we can be doing those kinds of things. And I know when I hear people talk about the podcast they love to listen to the most, y'all's podcast comes up all the time. Oh, and oh. so I'm, I'm glad to know that there's a podcast out there that is promoting biblical content and being successful. And uh, that's, that's what it's all about, you know, getting the truth out there. And I know on social media, and you, you might be thinking, those of you listening, why are they dragging this on? Well, we're talking about reaching out to the lost today, yeah, so this yeah. applies. But 
on social media, you've had a lot of successful Bible studies and opportunities to go live on Instagram sometimes. And so, I mean, Aaron is definitely qualified to be here today to talk to us about this subject. He is a man who practices what he preaches and I, I always enjoy getting to, you know, to speak with him. And we're going to, as we progress throughout these three weeks, kind of tell you some things about Aaron that you might not know that uh, are very, very interesting in addition to what he already does that's interesting. But today, we're talking about reaching out to the lost. And I, I, I say to people a lot lately, the world is getting worse. Yeah. It's not getting better. And we kind of fool ourselves in this country into thinking that a new president will help or a new governor or mayor or whatever. But in reality, it has to start with us. And so today we're we're talking about that idea of reaching out to the lost. So the first question is, why do we need to reach out to the lost? I'll go ahead and start out with this idea of, you know, even before answering, probably the question is, you know, the lost, the word, you know, there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I've said this a couple of times before in different sort of similar discussions, but when's the last time you went to a lost and found to look for something you didn't know that you lost? Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I went uh, on a short term mission trip to Africa. I'd been talking about it and was so excited. And, you know, I've been collecting Bibles to take with me which I learned later it's much easier to buy them over there instead of packing suitcases. Full. <laughs> I had all these Bibles, and I was like, uh, wait a minute, where am I going <laughs> to? Yeah. But, but I remember that uh, I hadn't looked for my passport until like two or three days before, and I couldn't find anywhere, and I was freaking out. But up until that point in time, I was completely clueless because I didn't know it was lost. So with people, I think a lot of times we're kind of confused why people aren't, you know, coming to the doors of the church and looking. I think it's a lot of times people don't realize they're lost. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, maybe to some people, part of presenting the good news of the gospel is it has to contrast with the bad news of the fact that people are lost. And so, you know, why do we need to to reach out to the lost? Because without Jesus's blood, that they're heading towards eternal punishment. Yeah. I mean, that's why. And, you know, so. Well, and you, you think about that. If you go on the street, true to your point, and ask the average person, are you going to hell? Yeah. They're not going to say yes. And if they do say yes, it's probably because they don't believe in hell anyway. Yeah. And so they're going to say, yeah, I'm going to hell because, you know, I don't even believe in all this. So what does it matter if I answer yes to that? Yeah. But they don't know. And for a lot of people, it's exactly like you mentioned. That's a great illustration with the passport because you didn't know that you needed to do it uh, and needed to find it until you realized it was lost. Yeah. And so many times we, we spend, you know, I'm in an office right now that I've been kind of settling into I still haven't found some stuff. I don't know whether it's in boxes at my house and it's supposed to be here or if it's somewhere in this office, but I haven't found everything yet, but I haven't known what I have not gotten to find until I'm looking for it. Yeah. And so when people go out to look for salvation, they're going to have to go on some type of journey of self-discovery to realize, hey, I'm not where I need to be. And when we think about the the scriptures, Mark 16, you know, 15 and 16 tells us that Jesus' express command to the disciples was to go out and seek the lost and bring them to him. He said in Luke 19, 10, that was his whole purpose for coming. And so we've got a express written command for us. It was spoken to the disciples, but it's written for us. And someone might say, well, that was just to the disciples. Okay, so in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, when the first century Christians continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, does that not imply 
that they went out and taught people about the gospel because the Bible says that many people were added to the church daily as they should, you know, were being saved because people were going out and teaching what the apostles had taught them. Yeah. So they took the same command yeah. that the disciples did and went out and reached the lost. So it's so important. But I guess the question is something else, you know, before we get to the effective ways to reach the lost, has God always been concerned with the lost? Yeah. You know, the Old Testament, we, we read that, baptism's not really even mentioned much in the Old Testament. You have certain yeah. things where Naaman, you know, was, for lack of a better word, baptized into that River Jordan seven times to become cleansed from leprosy. Yeah. But no one is really told, if you want to be my people, go be baptized. And now all of a sudden in the New Testament, God says, well, you need to do this. So how do we reconcile both of those two together? I think if you look at Hebrews 11, people have always been saved by faith. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, God has just chosen one of the reasons, you know, that he had animal sacrifices in the Old Testament and Christ fulfilled that. You know, God has always saved people by faith, even in the old, you know, the old covenant, you Job, I mean, Job, faith, Abraham, yeah. faith. But it's interesting in the New Testament, sometimes people, uh, I almost feel like separate baptism from faith. Now, Faith can mean different things. If you're talking about belief, well, yeah, belief and baptism are required. But like, if you look in Galatians 2, verse 16, Paul's dealing with this issue of the law of Moses and these people trying to bind it. But in Galatians 2, 16, summarizing, he says, you're not justified by works of the law, but by faith. And then he starts explaining it. And in that explanation, it moves into chapter 3. And remember, the original didn't have chapters and verses. So when you get to 324, he talks about justified by faith. Yeah. Verse 26, you're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For, verse 27, that's the Greek word gar, introduces the reason. For, as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So Paul, in his definition of what saving faith is, he includes baptism in that section. Right. Because that that version is talking about the gospel, the faith. Right. So it's like, yeah, people have always been saved by faith. But in different covenants, God has said, okay, this is what you're going to do in this one. And, of course, the idea of baptism you're reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which hadn't happened in the Old Testament, which is likely, you know, maybe why God chose to wait till the New Testament for baptism, you know. Right, and and we know the logic of different places have different laws. Yeah. You know, when I moved to Oakland, Tennessee, about seven years ago, or five years ago, um, I uh, was driving in my neighborhood, and I was used to the Mississippi speed limits in neighborhoods where it was 25. Yeah. So you could do 30, yeah. you know, and do the five over, and most police officers don't care about that. So you could do 30. So I'm doing 30 in my neighborhood, and those blue lights come on. Really? And I said to the officer, I, what was I doing wrong? He said, you were speeding. You are going 10 over. It's 20 in oh, Oakland. Wow. Yeah. Now, the speed limit was still a speed limit. Yeah. But it was different in where I had come from to where I was currently living. Yeah. That's the same mentality when you look at the Old and New Testament. Yeah. There's still a law. Yeah. They both had to be followed, yeah. but the requirements were different from yeah. each one. And that's what I love about Romans chapter 7. I think that's my favorite chapter in all of the New Testament because— I, You're the first person that's ever said that to me. <laughs> hey, I love it. Yeah. I love—especially verses 21 through 25 where it yeah. talks about it's not about perfection. It's about right. faithfulness. Yeah. That's the whole cusp of the New Testament. Yeah. If we can grasp that— the rest of the New Testament makes a lot more sense to us because too many people look at the old law and say, well, God required perfection. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 7. It was. You couldn't do anything yeah. as the old law required it because man's not perfect. God That's has right. now said, just be faithful. That's right. And so it's a, it's so important to know God has always been concerned with saving the lost. Yeah. He has just been building toward the point where we are now. Yeah. You know, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, that's what he told, you know, Adam and Eve. He said to the serpent even, 
you're going to have someone that you'll bruise his heel, but he's going to stomp on your head and he's going to kill you. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And it brought salvation into this world on the day of Pentecost when they brought the church into existence as far as that mass production of baptisms taking place that day. Yeah. And now you've got the church starting yeah. and, you know, thriving and going on. And so the lost has always been on God's mind. Yeah. But as we look back, I need to to kind of piggyback off of something else to get to this next question. Sure. I've heard some people say before, you know, that they've harped on things like online giving and they talk about, you know, the first century church didn't do that. Well, the first century church didn't speak into microphones either. No. And they didn't, you know, and I pointed out to someone when they asked me about that, I said, do you write a check on Sundays and give to the church where you go? Yes. When do those funds leave your account? Not on Sunday. Yeah. And yet none of us have a problem with that because we know we've we've already given it. If yeah. I write $100 in that check, that $100 is not going to be spent by me. It's, it's given to God. Yeah. We've got to be careful that we don't start, you know, assigning certain restrictions that we can't even know if the first century church would have done it or not. I think Paul would have had a podcast network if he could have. I think he he would have taken the advantage of every opportunity he had to reach people. Yeah, he would have had a blog. He would have been, you know, speaking as many places as he could. He would have sat, he would have probably had travel equipment that he would have taken with him. And so as we look throughout the history of technology advancing, we know that there are good and bad with technology. Yeah. It's with everything in life. Not every app deserves to have Christianity on it because some of those apps are just not good. I I can't imagine some of the apps out there that are not wholesome for someone to say, well, I'm going to start preaching the gospel on there. It's not a good idea. But when we think about some effective ways to reach out to the lost, we're both men that work for, you know, individuals that or institutions, the School of Preaching, Gospel Broadcasting Network that are designed and entitled to looking out for people to try to reach the lost. Yeah. So what are some effective ways that you can kind of point out that help us reach the lost today that are in addition to what we normally would call the the church stuff, if you will? Yeah. I mean, I think of it this way. You know, when you when you look in the book of Acts, every time Paul goes to a new city, he goes to either the synagogue or if they don't have a synagogue, like it seems like in Acts 16 with Lydia, where they're at the place of prayer by the river, he always goes where the religious people are. Um, because he thinks, hey, this is a good place for me, you know, good candidates. That's kind of the mentality I've always tried to use with reaching the lost is I'm going to go where the people are. Yeah. Now, that might mean you go to, you know, in person. I mean, I think with all of the the um, the avenues, like let's just take Facebook. We use a lot of videos and, and we put money behind it to broadcast it because it's evangelism. Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram are the three big ones that we mm-hmm. spend. We've done stuff on TikTok where we put videos up, but... Um, that's really the goal. That's to drive them to go watch the full right. episodes of the podcast. But all of the different ways we reach out to people, the whole goal is to get them to get them interested in the content, and then to get them into a personal one-on-one Bible study. I mean, most of the conversions we've had, there's been a few. Like I can think of one guy in Africa who sent me an Instagram message and said, "I watched the video. I I realized that I believe in Jesus. I need to repent, confess, be baptized, and live faithfully." And he had all the verses, and it was more longer message. But I was like, "Yeah, man, you get it." But a majority of the time, that's not how it happens. A majority of the time, it's somebody that has a question, and I'll say, "Hey, that's a great question. You know, would you like to study?" And I'll answer that question, then move into a personal one-on-one Bible study, because ultimately, that's in all the things I've done, that's the thing that has always converted the most people is getting them in the word, showing them this is what God's word says, 
and letting the word convert him. That's what right. the power is. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And some people would, would harp on the whole idea of advertising. Sure. But let me just point this out. Some people would say, well, that doesn't guarantee that they read it or that they watch it. No, it doesn't, but it guarantees that they'll see it. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about the parable of the sower, he didn't say, well, I can only plant seed where I know it's going to grow. I can only go over. He he scattered the seed everywhere. That's right. And so if we're going to do that, then it it is perfectly scriptural and acceptable to put some money behind the advertising of of a program. In fact, it's better to do that than almost anything else at times because you're at least saying, you know, I wrote for a publication once and they, they put, you know, like $70 into advertising and like 200,000 people were reached. Yeah. Now, of the 200,000, like 50,000 liked the the article or whatever. So, I mean, we didn't get a – we weren't batting a 1,000. Sure. But 200,000 people were given a chance to click on an article that was about Jesus Christ being the Son of God. Yeah. If that's not me and that publication fulfilling their duty as a sower of the seed, I don't know what is. That's right. But we do come to this question as we kind of start to bring our thoughts to a close for this episode. Sure. What about the soil that won't grow? Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? Yeah. Uh, you know – our jobs are designed to try to throw the seed every which way, which means that there's going to be some that don't, you know, turn around and say that they want to do this. So how do, how do we handle that? I think that when I was younger, um, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties now, late thirties almost. But when I was younger, I, I think that I had this idea that if I just presented it perfectly, yeah, then it would convert that person. And I remember some of the first studies I had with people who claimed to love the Bible. And I really thought I was going to, you know, they were going to be converted whenever they rejected it. I remember just thinking, what did I do wrong? Yeah. If, if I would have just said this instead of that, I don't believe that anymore. I think that the power's in the word, not necessarily in me. And so I feel like my command is to teach. And like first Corinthians three, six says, yeah. you know, Paul planted Apollos water. God gave the increase. And so what you have there is you have, look, our job is to just sow that seed everywhere. Right. And I'm okay with the fact that it's not going to grow some places, at least maybe not now. Yeah. You know, I've talked to people and, and I've talked to guys and they've said, I'm the only Christian in my family. And I've said, yet, mm-hmm. you know, you're the only Christian in your family yet, because you don't know how God's going to work. I, I think of God being omniscient. I wonder if God looks at that young man that's the only Christian in his family and says, man, just be patient in 10 years. Yeah. You know, you might have four or five members of your family. They're going to be Christians. So I think our job is to, number one, sow it everywhere. Number two, um, the ones that it does take root to try to help them grow yeah. so that, you know, Luke 8, they don't get scorched by the sun. Or right. They don't end up on the, but but ultimately the, the truth is you can't control someone's heart. All you can do is try to get God's word there and hopefully that that word, you know, will will cultivate the, the soil and yeah, just the ones that are going to, then some there's going to grow and then you have the thorns that try to choke it out. And, right. And we just got to be sure that as Christians who are maybe listening to this, please make sure that you're aware that you don't become like that third soil. Yeah. yeah. I, and you, you think about that too many people have gotten it in their heads that it's about results. Yeah. Well, there's results every time the gospel's presented. That's right. Yeah, you know, I've I've preached before, and every single person hasn't responded, you know, to the invitation, but they've mm-hmm. responded to the message. Yeah, and therefore, I know that the gospel is powerful enough that I just need to, like you said, let it do its thing. That's right. Let it do the work, and and I just basically present it to people. That's right. And I guess what I would say too is just make sure when we're presenting the gospel that we're doing it in such a way that is making it as simple as possible. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be complex and complicated. Some subjects will be. Sure. You know, I'm looking over here at a book on my shelf, Biblical Theology. That book is not going to be something I can explain to yeah. you in three sentences. But 
it should be easy for me to explain the gospel plan of salvation yeah. without it going over your head. Well, and Acts, so that's the importance. In Acts 16, 25, you know, they teach the, the jailer yeah. who, who literally, what do I do to believe? He's probably a retired Roman soldier, not real well versed in scripture, and they teach him in the same hour of the night. Right. You know? And I think if you if you have a Bible study with somebody and they reject it, that's not still not a failure. Yeah. You know, you don't know how that word is going to take root and maybe it's going to grow a year from now or two years from now. But anytime you have a Bible study with somebody, that's a success. No yeah. matter what the outcome is. Absolutely. Whether they obey the gospel or they just reject it completely, you still did the right thing. That's still a successful Bible study. Absolutely. Know? And that's what it's all about. On the day of judgment, God's not going to say, How many did you save? He's going to ask, How many did you tell? Yeah. That's essentially what we need to remember. Yeah. So yeah. Aaron, I appreciate you being on this this episode this week, and I'm glad that you're going to be on the next two weeks after this. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about continuing to grow, which is an important you know, aspect of Christianity in our walk. And I just want to remember, uh, remind everyone to uh, tune in next week on the Far Better Podcast. But until then, let's remember to please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.